Converge is my chance to connect with creatives who make really interesting things, and when they can, profit from those things, often in ways that might surprise you. My background as a photographer and author gets me in conversations with visual storytellers and writers, but also musicians, actors, business and thought leaders, basically people who work very hard, not just to make a buck, but also to make a point. The invitation is to understand a little more of the context that surrounds their work, and hopefully discover a fresh perspective that might inspire something new around the value you're making in the world. Language is so powerful. In fact, what we say often reveals the true thoughts in our hearts. And sometimes the words can come out of our mouth and your friends or loved ones or, or folks that you don't love so much are around you and they'll hear your words and they'll, they'll reflect back to you. Did you know what you just said? You said this or you said that. And sometimes that can be negative and other times it can be incredibly positive. But one thing I've noticed is when I can pay attention to my language and I have a someone with me who cares about me and can help me correct my language, it can really transform the trajectory of, of an entire effort in one direction. And that's what happened to me the first time I came across Bob Berg and John David Mann when I read the book, The Go-Giver. Uh, the Go-Giver was written some time ago, and it's, it's extraordinary uh, in that it shares one huge distinction that then gets played out in their book over these five principles that we're going to about to talk to in just a second. But uh, the the book is called The Go-Giver, and it's obviously in contrast with The Go-Getter. And it makes the really profound case for how giving is radically more valuable, not only to those you're serving, but to yourself when you lead out that way, as opposed to going and getting. And in just a moment, we're going to have Bob Berg, one of the two authors, uh, join us. And it's just a tremendous privilege to have him on. But as you're listening, my invitation for you is to not just try to get new ideas, but to really consider for yourself, what kind of language are you using? How are you relating with the process of bringing your value to the world? And could some of the ideas that Bob shares with you today actually impact how you lead out tomorrow? The entrepreneur, the the artist, the salesperson, we have got to be absolutely, totally focused on bringing value to them. Because let's face it, as far as they're concerned, it's all about them. I'm your host, Dane Sanders, and I want to welcome you to Converge. Bob Berg, welcome to Converge. Hi, Dane. Great to be with you. I am so honored. Uh, I was telling you off air that, well, at least I have been uh, a fan for some time as somebody who has been running a a service-based business as a photographer for Mm. over 12 years. When I stumbled into your book, The Go-Giver, I was struck by two things. One, why hadn't anyone told me this before? And we'll get into what that is in just a second. But then two, just how powerful such a slight nuance could be in reorienting how I do everything in my business. So, oh, thank you. So uh, first of all, welcome. I'm, I'm so honored to have you here. And then second, I guess to get started, could you share a little bit? And in fact, maybe this, normally what I would do is I'd ask people to share their background and what got them to hear. I think we'll get to that in a minute. But I think for, for this particular topic, I think it might be most helpful if we start with the core of your business. So yours is a narrative conversation between these two great characters and they talk about this crazy idea or five crazy ideas called the five laws of stratospheric success mm-hmm. and i'm wondering if you could just as succinct as you com- feel comfortable with share those five in order value conversation influence authenticity and receptivity 
Sure. And it and it really all begins, in a sense, with a premise. And, and the premise of this story, because it is a uh, business parable co-authored with John David Mann, who's a great guy, fantastic storyteller. I'm much more of a, I'm a how-to guy. I'm step one, step two, step three. John's a brilliant storyteller. And the, the basic premise, Dane, is simply this, that shifting one's focus, and this is really the key, shifting one's focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, We simply mean constantly and consistently providing value to others. And that doing so is not only a nice way to live life and conduct business, it's a very financially profitable way as well. And this is important because I I want people to know it's not some feel-goody type of thing that, no, it's a nice idea, but it doesn't really work. No. You know, when when you think of it and why it's so practical is that, and I often say this when I speak at a sales conference, the first thing I'll say is nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet. They're not going to buy from you because you need the money. They're not going to buy from you because you're a really nice person who has a great product and you really believe that your product or, in your case, service is going to help them. They're not going to buy for any of those reasons. They're going to buy because they believe there is more value to them in doing so. They believe they're better off by doing so than by not doing so. And that's the only reason anyone ever should buy from you. Now, the nice thing about that and what really taps into the people's true spirit, the, the people who are listening, is that it, it makes it so that the entrepreneur, the, the artist, the salesperson, we have got to be absolutely, totally focused on them, on bringing value to them. Because let's face it, as far as they're concerned, it's all about them. So in order to carry that out and be able to, to manifest this, we talk about five laws. Those laws, again, are the laws of value, compensation, influence, authenticity, and receptivity. The first one is the law of value. And the law of value says your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. Now, when you first hear that, it's somewhat counterintuitive sounding. It, it Sounds very counterproductive. Give more in value than I take in payment? I mean, aren't I going to go broke that way? Uh, (laughs) It doesn't sound like a way of surviving in business or thriving. It seems like a way of, of being put out of business really quickly. So to understand this, we simply have to understand the difference between price and value. This is key. Price is a dollar amount. It's a dollar figure. It's finite. It It is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something, to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, this service, this concept, this idea that brings with it so much worth or value that someone will willingly exchange their money for it and be glad they did while you make a very, very healthy profit? For example, let's let's say you are a, a photographer, <laughs> and many of your listeners probably are, right? right? You have a client, depending on what type of photographer you are. Let's say it's a, a wedding. So so you are hired out. You have a, a, a customer, a client, and you charge them a certain amount of money, and that money is going to make you a very healthy profit. But what did you have to give to them in order for them to uh, to feel as though they got more in value than uh, than what they paid. Because remember, that's the key. Well, 
not only did you do a great job, I mean, the intrinsic value of what you do, I'm sure, is absolutely fantastic. You took great photographs. You made them look good. Uh, you gave them precious memories they're going to have for the rest of their lives in exchange for the money they paid you. That right there is priceless. But you also found ways to make the experience a fantastic experience, which adds even more value to it. You were excellent at what you did. You were consistent in the entire, from the entire time, from the first time you met them, you made them feel comfortable. You made them feel assured that they had the right person. You were kind and polite and patient with people as you were getting them together for the photographs. You were empathetic to their needs. Because remember, they're thinking, you know, these are going to last a lifetime. These have to be perfect. Well, you were empathetic to that and you were very appreciative. So with everything you did, you provided them with a superb, superb buying experience. You gave them much more in value or use value than what they paid. And in doing so, you made a very, very healthy profit, which you should. But the reason you this happened is because your focus wasn't on the money. The, your focus was on the value you were providing them. The result was the money. This is why John David Mann and I say that money is simply an echo of value. It's the thunder, if you will, to values lightning, which means nothing more than that the value must come first and the money you receive is a very natural and direct result of the value you've provided. That's incredible. I, I would love to just make sure I'm hearing right as, as I, I think I am. You started with the premise of just basically making the case that, look, at the end of the day, even though I might have massive need, or and this is definitely the case of I can relate to this in seasons of my career, and, and certainly many of my listeners will talk about, man, when, when things get tough, it can feel like I just need to figure out a way to make more money. And with that kind of approach, what we're not honoring is the, is the human experience, which is our clients don't have that come from at all. We're not meeting clients where they're at. They have their own needs that are primary. And because we're service professionals, we're there to serve. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it strikes me that with that as a background, it, it makes complete sense to me that if we don't deliver a value where they feel like they're getting a bargain, we really aren't honoring the price tag we're putting on what we're selling. Is that a fair assessment? It is. It's very good. But remember, when we use the word bargain, I want to make sure that you don't, that that's not misinterpreted to think you're supposed to lower your price. That's right. I don't want anyone right. selling on low price. I want you selling on high value because they're going to appreciate it more when they're paying more and they're receiving more value. What we need to understand, you made a great point about it doesn't matter uh, how that you need the money. Okay, because that's not meeting them where they are. They don't care. Well, they may care that you need <laughs> the money, but then they're not going to do business with you for that reason. Yeah. In the in the selling process, and yes, you are in sales if you are a service provider. Please understand that. But let's understand what selling really is. See, many people think, and especially those in the service industry, those in the arts, who people who just love what they do. You're just fa- fantastic technical people. You just love what you do. You love the value you provide and probably hate the idea that that you actually have to sell your services. But that's a fact of life. And so, so let's kind of reframe selling from what you might think it is to what it actually is. So many people think of selling as something you do to someone. Uh, it's not. It's something you do with someone and for someone. Uh, people think selling is, is trying to... Uh, convince someone to buy something they don't need or want. That is not selling. That's called being a con artist. Hmm. Okay, it's not selling. Selling can be defined as this. 
discovering what the other person does want, need, or desire, and helping them to get it. Hmm. And you do that by asking them questions, listening to their answers, providing a solution for them, solving whatever pain they might be having, and uh, listening some more <laughs> and and helping them to solve. And then when you're when you communicate the kind of value, when you can communicate that the value you're providing is is much higher than the price they're paying, that's when they're going to do business with you. Mm. But you don't want to make it about price. You want to make it ab- about value. When you try to sell on low price, you're a commodity. When you sell on value, you're a resource. Mm. I'm glad you made the distinction because I think it's so easy to to equivocate on terms or to not quite get the nuance here. And really, to even go back to the very beginning, the reason you named this whole book Go-Giver instead of Go-Getter, and in my mind, Go-Getter was something that has been preached to me my whole life is, you know, hustle, get out there, really go for it. And you turn that idea, not a bad idea to hustle, but uh, if I'm a hustler, it lands as bad to my clients. Right. Uh, uh, but I just love that you're shifting the, the the entire game, the entire table, and saying and and rightly so, putting people in the right position. It actually reminds me of when I first read it. I, I was reminded of uh, how to win friends and influence people. This you know huh, some, seminal you. work on people skills, yeah, uh, yeah, and just how well, <laughs> on the nature of reality, on just just mm-hmm. really getting my head straight. And I don't know what it is, but as soon as I went from consumer to uh, person creating the value with the services that I provide. At least when I'm in a kind of mindset of scarcity, it's just so tempting to drift back to this mode of not relating with the world the way it actually is or with people the way they, they need to be related with and instead making it more entirely about me. And I, this, yeah. this notion about go-giving as a primary vehicle, as a pragmatically helpful approach, uh, is just so remarkable. C- can we jump at, Let's jump into compensation, influence, and the rest. Oh, sure. Well, the law of compensation says your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So where law number one says to give more in value than you take in payment, law number two tells us that the more people whose lives you touch with the exceptional value you provide, the more money with which you'll be rewarded. So in the story, Nicole Martin, one of the, the, the one we call the CEO, she explained to Joe, the main protege, that while law number one one, the law of value is so vitally important, it only represents your potential income. Hmm. Your actual income is determined by how many lives you impact. So it's not enough to just serve one person <laughs> or, or do one wedding or one bar mitzvah or That's do right. one family to, or, or any of the other people who, who are service providers that, you, uh, that are in your audience. It's not enough to have just one. You've got to continue to serve more and more people. That's why learning how to build a referral-based business is so important because referrals, referred prospects are easier to set the appointment with, obviously, because you're going it on borrowed influence. With referral-based prospects, a price is less of an issue. Again, you're going in on borrowed influence. With referral-based prospects, it's easier to complete the transaction or close the sale, if you will. That's you're going in on borrowed trust or what we call vicarious experience. Even though this prospective customer has not done business with you personally, someone who they know, like, and trust has and has referred you to them. So that puts you sort of nine steps ahead of the game in a 10-step game. And referred prospects are already of the mindset that that's how you do business since that's how they met you. So in their paradigm, in their way of seeing the world, in their model of the way the world works, 
You uh, meet people based on uh, referral. You sell on value rather than price, and you complete the transaction, and then you are referred to others. So it's a great way to do business, and it's a lot more uh, comfortable doing business that way. So if I'm hearing you right, the equation, in at least broad strokes, would be something like to combine law one and two uh, mm-hmm. is to give value at a greater degree than, I, than the payment I receive uh, in every mm-hmm. case, and mm-hmm. then to take that number and multiply it by as many high a volume as I possibly can, that that will sh- transition from my potential income to the actual money I come in that brings in the door. Yeah, that's perfectly said. Exceptional value plus significant reach equals very high compensation. I, th- I think you said it fantastic. I'm, Absolutely. I'm, I'm encouraged and I've been practicing. It's been very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about influence. How does that relate to value and compensation? Well, the law of influence says that your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Now, again, that one is counterproductive at best, or it sounds counterproductive at best, I should say, and probably sounds uh, Pollyanna-ish. At, uh, at worst, right? Your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. But then you think about it, the greatest leaders, the top influencers, the most highly paid service providers, this is simply how they run their lives and conduct their businesses. They're always looking for ways to think of how they can bring value to the other person. Now, uh, before we get into this a little bit, let me let me just qualify it for, for one moment, if I may. Certainly. When we say place the other person's interests first, we do not mean you should be anyone's doormat. We do not mean you should be a, a martyr, and we certainly do not mean you should be self-sacrificial in any way, shape, or form. Absolutely not at all. It's simply as several of the mentors told Joe in the story, the golden rule of business, of sales, of, of influence, is that All things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you from others than by genuinely moving from an I focus or a me focus to what we call an other focus. Or as Sam, one of the mentors in the story, told Joe, it's about making your win about the other person's win. And when you do this, and you do this consistently, you will develop a a phenomenal reputation with people. You'll be that center of influence. You will be that go-to person. You know, it's interesting. I I was reading recently uh, a book called uh, Business Brilliance, and I think it was uh, Lewis Schiff, I think his name is. Maybe I'm getting Mm -hmm. his author wrong. But um, one of the things that he talked about was in in the art of negotiation that that super performers, they don't think win-win, that they somehow are, they're taking responsibility for their own efforts on the negotiation process and trusting the other to do the same. And it it had a bit of a, a Machiavellian feel to it as he was describing it. But it's interesting to take his idea. What I what I liked about his idea was it wasn't trying to create a, a situation where I was going to put myself as a, at a disadvantage as my first premise, but instead to lead with, no, it's my job to negotiate well. But I, if you add what you're saying to that conversation, what's striking to me is all of a sudden, if this person, they're walking in and out of the experience with a sense of, I, I really did get a delta. I really got ahead in this conversation. Then it's fantastic. And it doesn't take away from you winning as well. So can you say a little bit about how, just one more piece on how is it that I can be other-minded, but also have self-interest in the game? 
Well, because it's not a, a zero-sum game. For you to get a bigger piece of pie, you don't have to take from someone else's piece. What you do is you get together and create a bigger pie because you want everyone to come out ahead. The main characteristic of a free market-based exchange, and when I say that, I simply mean an exchange where no one is forced to do business with anyone else. People trade freely because they both choose to do so. In a free market-based exchange, there are always two profits, the buyer profits and the seller profits. So if one person wins and one person loses, it was done wrong. And if you win at the expense of the client, first of all, they're not going to be happy with you. Bad press is going to get around about you. You're not going to get any referrals and you're not going to feel good about yourself because that's not the type of person you are. By the same token, there's no reason for you to to lose in there to win. If if what they want is something you're not going to feel good about, then by all means, you walk away. But what you really want to do and the way this really works is when you are in the discovery phase of the presentation, again, going back to asking them questions to discover what they need. Okay, you're simply helping them get what they want. And by doing that, you're going to get what you want. So, no, I believe you do look out for the other person. You look out for both people because to the degree you look to get help them get what they want, that's the degree that you are going to get what you want. And this comes back to what you said earlier about discovering what they need, like this process exactly. of curiosity and listening and getting creative in your offering. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's jump to number four, This the fourth law of stratospheric success. This is my favorite, candidly. Uh, the idea uh-huh. that I could do this and be authentic <laughs> at the same time, it, it, was, it was as though the selling process was entirely reinvented for me. So talk a little bit about the fourth law. Uh, yeah, law four, the law of authenticity, uh, simply says that the, mo- the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. In the story, one of the mentors, uh, Deborah, shared a, a lesson she learned early in her career that all the skills in the world, the sales skills, technical skills, people skills, as important as they are, and they are indeed all very, very important, they're also all for naught if you don't come at it from your true authentic core. Now, when you do, when you show up, as we like to say, as yourself, day after day, week after week, month after month, people feel very comfortable with you. People feel good about you. People know you. They like you. They trust you. They want to be in relationship with you. They want to be a part of your business. Showing up authentically is not only good life, it's good business. So it begs the question that if being authentic is so good for business, which it is, why do some people not show up that way? Why instead do they sometimes show up as a, I guess the correct Latin term would be phonus balonus, <laughs> uh, you know, someone who who's not really real, someone who's not. And, and we may, as a default, we might want to think, well, they're just dishonest people or they're looking to pull one over on us. And while there are certainly those people out there in the world, it's a big world. We have to understand that, that you know, that's always a, an issue. That's not usually the case. 99 times out of 100, when someone doesn't show up authentically, it's because they don't have the self-confidence to do so. They are not aware of their own value, if you will. And let's face it, it's hard to show up authentically when you don't feel you have anything authentic to show up for. I believe we we all as human beings have two types of value. We have what I call intrinsic value. That's simply just by being here, by being part of this world, we bring great value to it. But let's talk about the other type of value. And that's what I call 
market value. And market value is simply the combination of strengths, traits, talents, and characteristics that allow you to add value to others, to the marketplace, in such a way that you will be financially rewarded for it. And we all have uh, this kind of market value, but some of us have it in different ways. Some of us have a great head for business. Some of us are able to communicate empathy, either naturally or, or we've learned how. Some people are great connectors. Some people uh, have a way of just making people feel so good about themselves. You know, some people have a knack for numbers. I mean, different people have different assets of value. And while we need to know our strengths as well as our weaknesses, we want to definitely lead with our strengths. Because when we're leading with our strengths, that's when we have the confidence to show up authentically. That's why people such as you, coaches such as you are so important because you can in a way that you care, but but dispassionately enough that you can be part of the solution instead of part of the problem. Because remember, as human beings, we are far too emotionally attached to ourselves. We're too emotionally involved with ourselves to sometimes understand our strengths and weaknesses. And sometimes those closest to us can't really objectively tell as well. So we need to, whether through self-study or through mentorship or through coaching, what have you, we need to be able to, to understand and embrace our core strengths so that we can lead from a place of, of authenticity. That is such a generous comment and true. It's interesting how many times, you know, thousands of creatives I've had a chance to have conversations with over the years, and they're just being kind of vulnerable and candid when they'll, they'll say, you know, I spent a lot of my time by myself and I can get discouraged. I can get comparative with other creatives. I can have envy or they have all of these kinds of negative challenging feelings. And it does reflect on their confidence and their kind of sense of the value. It really, it, it lowers the value that they're able to deliver on often because of their, their conversation with themselves, the story they're telling themselves about themselves. Absolutely. Somehow trumping the real value that they could bring. But this is this, this, really, it's a belief, it sounds like, that I'm going to decide, like, let's just pretend, even if I don't believe it all the time, that I actually have the most value, my best shot at delivering the goods when I'm most authentically me. Is that fair? Well, yeah, but it, and it's nothing you have to fake. You actually do have the best shot <laughs> at doing no this when you come from a place of authenticity. That's right. You don't have to be thinking that hard. You just you you are you. <laughs> so when you know, let's turn the corner to this fifth one because the fifth one, honestly, especially if you've gone through the drill and really kind of taken on this notion of value and compensation, influence, and authenticity, the receptivity one. When I first read it, I think I was I was so. Uh, enrolled in what you were making the case for, the fifth one landed as a bit of a surprise. And I, I don't think I'm the only one who had that experience. So talk a little bit about the law of receptivity. Right. Well, the law of receptivity says the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. This means nothing more than that, you know, along with breathing out, you've also got to breathe in. It's a natural part of life. You know, we breathe out we br and we breathe in. It's not an either or. We breathe out carbon dioxide and we breathe in oxygen. We breathe out, which is giving, and we breathe in, which is receiving. Unfortunately, the world gives us messages about 
prosperity, about abundance, about money, messages that just are not true. And they're really, really hurtful. Mm. And they get into our unconscious, our subconscious, which is so much stronger than our conscious. You hear so many things like, oh, money is bad. If, you know, if you make a lot of money, you made it on the backs of others or you know, you you did something crooked to get it. Well, okay. You know what? There, first of all, there are people in this world who are thieves, who are crooks, and that's a certain amount of people. You know, deal with it. They're out there. Then you've got, you know, when you think of what about big business? Well, when you've got businesses or special interests that have bought special favors from government through cronyism, okay, well, then they're not, that's not free market capitalism. That's not free enterprise. That's also a form of force. And so some of those people, true, but you know what? 99% of us, 99.999% of us who do not have uh, politicians looking out for, you know, who don't, you know, through, through cronyism, then they're not looking out for us anyway, but, but you know what I mean? I do. Who don't have special favors and, and so forth. The only way we can make a lot of money is by providing exceptional value to the lives of a lot of people. (laughs) And so once we understand that, then we can feel good about receiving. If you're doing it honestly, if you're doing it ethically, if you're providing a product or service that someone wants, needs, desires, that's great. And then you've also got to accept the payment for it. And you should be charging a healthy amount, one that makes you feel good, one that makes your business fun one that causes you less stress because you can have fun in the business because you're making enough of a profit every time, one that that gives you comfort. It's not a matter of, you know, are you a giver or a receiver? If you're just doing one, you're not doing it right, okay? You are a giver and a receiver. The key is that you're focusing on the giving. You're focusing on giving value, providing great value to the lives of everyone you touch. You focus on the giving, and then you allow the receiving. Because remember, all the giving in the world, if you're not willing and able to accept in like measure, you're not going to have anything. You're not going to have a business. You're going to have a, a, an expensive hobby. Okay, so it, do what you need to to get over this thing about money's not good and that if you really, you know, well, but I love what I do. Should I be making money for it? Yes, that's how you make a lot of money. Hmm. You find something that you absolutely positively love and that people are willing to pay for. And everybody wins. Everyone comes out ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, really, a go-giver leader is simply someone who knows that they are charged with a very huge responsibility, and that is to serve others, to bring exceptional value, in this case, to those they they lead. A go-giver leader understands that great leadership is not about the leader, but rather about everyone whose lives they have the opportunity to touch. Powerful. Well, if that sounds attractive to you, regardless of whether it's in your personal life or professional life, if you're listening to this, I really encourage you to go get The Go-Giver Leader. And for sure, without hesitation, if you haven't read it yet, The Go-Giver has to be uh, first in your list. I really encourage you. And Bob, before I get to my final question, where can people find all this stuff besides uh, Amazon? <laughs> Probably the best place to go is to thegogiver.com. And that's without the hyphen in this case, thegogiver.com. 
and they can scroll down and they'll see uh, the Go-Giver book and the Go-Giver leader and they can click on those and they can uh, get an ex. They can read an excerpt first or a sample chapter and then if they like that, they can always click through to Amazon to get the uh, books. While they're there, they also might want to uh, subscribe to my The Go-Giver podcast. Mm. These are quick, you know, usually about 20 minutes in length that bring some really, really impactful, powerful value-based information once a week. Well, if it's anything like this conversation, I'm sure it, uh, <laughs> a lot of folks are going to benefit. Okay, so my oh. final question, and I know this happens to you all the time. You find yourself in a coffee shop somewhere, someone recognizes you or you're in a conversation somehow, and and they're, they're looking for that kind of one piece of advice. And, I, and, I, and when I say they, I mean specifically, let's say it's somebody in their first five years of business, they have a skill mm-hmm. and they're trading that talent in for money and, they're, and they're, they're doing a decent job, but there's been enough people that you've been in conversation with over the years, thousands of people who you've seen in this one, same spot. And you know, if there's one thing, you had one message to give to them. And if, even, if, even if it's a, a rehearsal of the things you've already articulated, uh, what's the one thing that you want people to walk away with? Well, in a service-based business, I would say find a way to systemize your business so that you're not just trading time for money, but so that you can scale it and have a business that continues to bring in money on a constant basis, but doesn't keep you always having uh, to work as hard for it. As a piece of, if you want to say, generic advice, I would say to someone what uh, fortunately a mentor of mine said to me about 35 years ago, and that is if you want to make a lot of money in business, don't have making money as your target. Your target is serving others. When you hit the target, you'll get a reward. The reward will come in the form of money. But never forget that the money is simply the reward for hitting the target. It's not the target itself. The target is serving others. This was episode two, season two of Converge, the Business of Creativity podcast. Music today provided by Triple Scoop Music, the leading music service for creative professionals. Find the perfect song for your next project at triplescoopmusic.com. Fastermind.co is home base for all things Converge. It's also where you can find exactly what you need to make real change happen. Like ever want to ditch your not so smart smartphone addiction? Knock that out this week. No kidding. Find out more at fastermind.co. Until then, I'm Dane Sanders. I cannot wait until next time.